Welcome to the Depth Chart Podcast. My name is Freddie Maggard. I'm joined by Nick Roush in Louisville. Nick, uh, this is a big week for you, my man. It really is. I, I love it. Uh, there's a different – you can feel it in the air when it's it's Derby Week in Louisville, Kentucky. The I mean, woke up, it was 65 degrees this morning at 7 a.m., Freddie. Absolutely beautiful. <laughs> I'm, I'm so excited to get over to Churchill Downs this weekend. And what's, what's even nicer – uh, I know it can be a conflict for some. I'm taking a step back and letting you guys handle it, but we get the horses racing the day and players drafted at night. Yeah, a big week for Kentucky football. The NFL draft starts on Thursday with the first round, and uh, it stretches through Saturday. And you could hear potentially – I don't know, Nick. What What do you think? Seven is is the potential – Seven is a ceiling. I'd say likely four to five. Would you agree? Five, five is what I'm kind of hoping for. And yeah. five, I'm I'm checking right now. I think five might would be the most in the modern draft era. Uh, there was there was five in 2019 when Big George went off the board late. So I think they could they could tie that record. Yeah, and it could easily be seven. It just depends the draft. You know, once that first trade hits, it, it's chaos from that point forward. So, mm-hmm. and um, especially with a guy like Max Duffy, who, yeah. you know, if you're like a Dane Brugler, he he's a draft analyst for the Athletic, and he is about as thorough as it comes when ranking players. And he has Duffy in like the four to six range, I believe, or three to five. But it yeah. just depends on need for each team and how eager they are to to sign up a punter. Yeah, you know how this works. Let's just take Max, for example. I mean, what, of the 32 teams in the National Football League, how many teams need a punter? That number's not going to be very big. So Maybe that's your three. pool. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, that that's your pool uh, of teams that could possibly draft Max. But, yeah, it, it could be it could be a momentous uh, occasion for Kentucky. Uh, I know it's, 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 it's been a long time coming for Mark Stoops, Vince Merrill, to get that talent in there, to develop it to the point now where Kentucky is going to be a fixture in the NFL draft for, for years to come. And starting this year, and, and all eyes of the Big Blue Nation will be on Jamin Davis, Nick, uh, a linebacker that's a, that was really a one-year starter but had a tremendous year, uh, boosted, just, just leaped up the draft charts, uh, draft, draft mocks as it gets closer to go time. And, and, and a, lot, a lot of people have – Jamin Davis in the first round, Nick. Uh, some don't. So it's going to be interesting to watch because uh, not not all mocks are pointing towards Jamin in the first first round, mm-hmm. but several are. Uh, there's several landing points for him. Uh, I've seen Cleveland. I've seen the Saints, the Steelers. It's all over the yeah, place. Yeah, I saw the Steelers this morning. That made me happy. Yeah, it made me happy too. It's it's one of those things too, you know, you mentioned it with Max, it comes down to who really needs an inside linebacker. And what really catapulted Jamin up the draft boards, it wasn't his just raw stats. Even though he did, he was third in the SEC in tackles while being sidelined for a game uh, with COVID protocols down at Alabama. But it, it, it's his his coverage ability. 
And yeah. that's something that you don't see until you start digging into tape. I know Daniel Jeremiah has been one of his, uh, you know, he's been leading the Jamin Davis fan club, as he's put it. Yeah. But when, when you see him running with Kyle Pitts, and I, I think that's where it happened, and that's the benefit of playing in the SAC, is, you know, we used to always joke that on draft night you'd see Kentucky because Alabama players would be having highlights against him or Florida right. players. Well, now they're catching guys' attention because they're playing well against these guys. It's The, the script has been flipped, Freddie. Yeah, well, I, there's two players that, that fit that bill. is Jamin Davis and Kelvin Joseph. Uh, both Joseph's ability to cover those receivers against Alabama uh, is what has helped him in, in draft uh, projections. But back to Jamin, um, yeah, if, if he doesn't go in that 20, 20, 26 range or so, 28, then it could be a second-round uh, pick for Davis. Regardless, uh, I think he's going to have a long, successful NFL career, certainly is rising and developed nicely under John Summerall there at Kentucky. Uh, but the hopes are that Jamin Davis will be a first-round pick, and if he is, uh, he is uh, very—he has deserved that pick. He's deserving of that pick, and and we wish the, the best for Jamin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still it, think he's a first-round pick, Nick. Yeah, I do too. And what I love about it gets kind of nice that these events have <laughs> synchronized together because when I hear folks talking about Derby horses. They kind of give you, well, here's why I like this horse, because he can do this. There's potential to go forward. It's kind of similar to the way that people evaluate draft prospects. So some might see it as a con that he only has one year as a full-time starter. They see that as a negative on his tape. He doesn't have that much body of work. But others say, wow, look what he did in his one year as a starter. He's still got room to grow. There's a lot of potential here, and they see that as a plus. I think you do the same thing with derby horses when here's how I want to bet this horse. Like, here's the reason why I can bet the horse, but also why I might not. So yeah, I I like the way that this works out, uh, particularly for Jamin, because not only does he have the the, the tape and everything out there, but as we mentioned before, his his pro day numbers were just uh, stupefying. Yeah, I mean he's physically elite at the at that position as far as combine numbers. What's that? I hate to interrupt you, but I did want to ask because I think this is important uh, when considering where he may go. How exactly do NFL teams value inside linebackers? And from my read, it sounds like there aren't too many besides the guy from Penn State that people right. think higher of than Jamin. Yeah, Micah Parsons is the only player at Jamin Davis's position uh, that is projected higher in the draft, and he, he's he's I've seen some mocks of him in the top ten. So yeah. that's another thing to look for. The quicker that Micah Parsons comes off the board, the better it is for for Jamin Davis. Uh, but but from what I've gathered talking to my folks in the NFL, is the thing that they value most about Jamin Davis is that he's a three down linebacker. He is not a liability in pass defense. So teams can keep him on the field for, for three downs. He can play the run, and then he can, like you said earlier, he can play the pass, match up with tight ends, running backs, and he is not a pass defense liability. So uh, as an inside linebacker, if you're considered a three-down player, then you have more financial benefit or, or worth mm-hmm. right. for teams. So thus, I think Jamin Davis comes off the board in the first round. Kelvin if he Joseph. does, if, if he does, he would be just the third 
uh, in the Mark Stoops era at Kentucky following uh, Bud Dupree, who just yep. signed a big deal with the Titans, and Josh Allen, who uh, they really got high hopes for him now that, that they're changing <laughs> things up down in Jacksonville. Yeah, all three linebackers at Kentucky, all three mm-hmm. of them were. So, again, Kentucky is 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 producing linebackers, and, and it's interesting to watch them play out, and that's for a different show. Uh, second player that, that will come off the, the board for Kentucky is Kelvin Joseph. A cornerback uh, transfer, obviously, we know, was a transfer from LSU, sat out a year, played another one-year starter, Nick, at corner. Uh, but physical traits, he has all of it, the size, the speed he showcased on pro day, uh, running in the 4-3, uh, 4-4 range. Uh, Joseph was uh, a productive cornerback, four interceptions, which at one time was leading the SEC and, and tied for the lead in the country. Uh, uh, sat out at the end of the year. Uh, so, uh, Kelvin Joseph is an interesting study. Some have him late in the first round. And then I think all those have moved down now uh, mm-hmm. that, that he, he's projected to be a second or third round pick. Uh, for his case, hopefully it will be second. But, again, it, do teams need corners? And the answer to that question is yes. Every team – what helps Joseph is every team – needs a cornerback or, or an additional cornerback to have in the rotation. So the need is higher there for Joseph, but I, I still think he slips in the second, maybe third round. Yeah, I, uh, I, I thought it was – you don't see a ton of movement late in the process, but Daniel Jeremiah, he, he, he completed his player rankings on Monday, his final draft, and he dropped him – almost 40 spots that's that's not yeah. great uh that leads me to believe he didn't interview well with teams but uh the raw talent is there yeah and most still believe he's a second round guy uh and this is one of those two freddie that y- you mentioned corners are you know everybody every team needs every, those kind yeah. of athletes but it, it just depends on when there's if there's going to be a run on them you know if, right right if, if teams start panicking and just picking cornerbacks that's good uh, for kelvin we talked about it with lynn bowden last year where it's like if there's a run on receivers then then things could look good for bowden's chances it's it's pretty similar in joseph's case yeah well there's three that are that are mentioned in the first 15 picks or so uh you have the, the corner from Virginia Tech, Caleb Farley, who had back surgery, so that could complicate matters for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sertan at, at Alabama and Newsom from, from Northwestern are the three cornerbacks that are projected to be first-round picks. So, uh, again, the quicker those three guys get off the board, the better it is for, for Kelvin Joseph. Uh, so we'll see. Interesting. But I'm saying likely a second-round selection for Kelvin Joseph, which right. brings us to, to the – to where we get interested or, or things get interesting in, in, in fact, of Kentucky players is who goes next after those two. Uh, is it going to be Landon Young or Drake Jackson goes next, Nick? And I have Landon Young coming off the board next, somewhere in the fourth, fifth round range. I think he comes off the board. Uh, he projects in the NFL as a right tackle or potentially a guard, uh, but having – all that experience at left tackle in the SEC can only benefit Landon, uh, which translates to the National Football League. So I think Landon comes off the board somewhere in the fourth or fifth round, Nick. Yeah, and I think from a 
more game ready standpoint you would think that it would be drake but this goes back to the kind of value teams place and positions and interior offensive line center guard is probably the lowest that isn't an actual specialist right exactly and 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 what teams look for in offensive linemen is the ability to play multiple positions especially if you're not in that starting range so if you are a backup in the nfl and you can play uh, guard and tackle, or you play guard and center, that brings more value to you for those teams. So I, I think Landon Young is a value pick because he, he will be able to play multiple positions along the line of scrimmage. He's coming off of my board in the fourth or fifth round. What's odd to me too, Freddie, is Drake Jackson being the best center in Kentucky history kind of hurts him because he never, he never had to play another position. Right. You know, he was a, a guard in high school. Uh, but college, it was it was straight center. So that brings me that segues into my next pick off the off the board for Kentucky, and that's Drake Jackson, a center. Uh, I feel and I've, I've I've graded him as the best center during my lifetime that I can remember watching Kentucky play in person, and, and that's quite a, an accolade for Drake. But I think it's well deserving. Uh, he, he is his NFL valuation uh, talks about heavily talks about uh, his football IQ. Uh, he is uh, under, but he was from high school to college. I mean, he's always going to fight that. He's undersized. His arms aren't doesn't have d- doesn't have the length that you that you that's preferred in the NFL. But again, Drake Jackson is a tough, tough football player. His football IQ is off the charts. I think he betters a team. It just depends on which team needs a center, or or which team actually uh, has a backup center. On its on its uh, game day roster, you know a lot of teams have a guard that can move over if the starting right, center right. gets hurt. So, like you said, that center is is a unique unique position when you talk about the NFL draft, and, and I think that that hurts Drake a little bit, and I think he drops down to that that sixth round, seventh round uh, threshold. No, I'm 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 with you, Freddie. Um, and then that's you want to talk about where things really get interesting. Now, who knows <laughs> yeah because when you get in the later rounds it comes down to each team's not only needs but just what do they who do they like that they want to scoop up to make sure they don't have to compete with others in the free agency market and right you know big george was that case in the new york giants they knew that they would have competing offers for him as a free agents, they're like, we're, right. we're just going to gobble them up with a, with a compensatory pick in the seventh round. So uh, I, I ultimately think this is where Brandon Eccles, I, I think he would probably be the next one off the board and Boogie Watson could as well. And it's mostly because of the positional versatility. If I'm Boogie, right. I'm bringing that highlight of his goal on stand as a is it redshirt freshman or true freshman at South Carolina when he came in at middle linebacker on fourth and one after Courtney Love got hurt and just immediately made the play <laughs> yeah yeah you're right but 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 you know who who's next after Drake who, who's next and and I'm gonna I'm gonna go I'm gonna go different than you Nick I'm gonna go Quentin Bohanna I okay. think Quentin comes off the board uh some mocks have him in the seventh round. Some uh, as a free agent. I'm I'm a, I'm gonna draft Quentin Bohanna because he brings that run stopping ability uh, as a nose tackle in the NFL. I think he's a situational player. 
in the NFL, but it, but there's several like him out there. So uh, it only takes one team. And uh, I think that, that Quentin has a good chance to come off here at seven. So I'm taking Bohannon, the nose tackle, uh, as my next player drafted. And yeah. then I, I agree with, with you, it's, it's got to be Brendan Eccles or Max Duffy, depending on need of the team. Yeah, and Bohanna is one of those guys, uh, they talk about it in basketball a lot, where you'll have a guy who's a really good shooter, but he played 10 years ago when they valued defense and driving more. So, right. Whereas nowadays, you make a lot of money. Same thing with Bohanna, where 10 years ago, he's a third-round pick because right. you needed those two-gap kind of noses. And just football has played a lot more in space, a lot less in between the tackles now at the NFL level. Yeah, yeah, but but there are there's there's still a need for 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 guys like Quentin Bohanna in the National Football League. So I think he it just takes one, and I think he comes off the board. Uh, same with Brendan Eccles. Uh, Brendan had a, a fantastic pro day, uh, as we could we you know we could rehash that, but we've talked about that on several occasions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I think his tape is is really validates the pro day uh, high production there for Eccles. Uh, was was came in as a junior college player, fit right in in the starting role. Start had, had two years of starting in the SEC. So I think the tape really speaks highly uh, of Brandon Eccles. I think he is a nickel or an inside corner uh, that can match up on on the slot receiver position, which is becoming, you know, that and tied in the slot receiver position is becoming the money role there in the NFL. Uh, and it's trending that way. So you're going to see a lot more corners play inside uh, against those guys. And I think Brandon Nichols matches up nicely. And I think his tape speaks volumes and was validated by an excellent pro day. Yeah, and Freddie, he he really does check all the boxes you want for a slot corner with the speed and also the physicality. He was – I don't, he might have been Kentucky's leading tackler for a little while in that 2019 season. So he's not afraid to come up and run support. You can blitz with That's him. Right. But, but you also have to project that because he was, you know, out on the boundary for, for most of his career at UK. Uh, you know, he, he wasn't a nickel guy. And I think they right. toyed with it a little bit. We're like, yeah, you know, we don't need to take you out of the boundary. You're, you're good just there. So, but hell, Freddie, how many people, play the slot corner in college and then get drafted yeah. as that in the NFL. That doesn't happen very often. No, it's the, the games are different in that, in that way. But I, I do think that Eccles, what he can bring is, is that slot, cover that slot receiver and, and also play on every special teams. So, uh, you know, I think he brings value to a team, uh, high character guy, uh, done a tremendous job uh, you know, off the field for, for Kentucky. So I think he comes off the board. And, and we talked about Max earlier. I think Max comes off the board uh, before that. I think I think I, I'm projecting Max to go in the sixth round. Nick Roush, sixth round. All right, sixth yes. round. I'm writing it down right now Write it as down. we speak. Yeah. Did you see where he got drafted by the Canadian Football League? <laughs> yeah, I did. I actually yeah, Max is going to hold a like... record for the most professional leagues <laughs> uh, being drafted by. So yeah, I, I was <laughs> like, so Canada, and he's like. He's like, man, I did. I had no idea <laughs> they had to tell me <laughs> that. Uh, and I, I doubt he ends up in Canada, Freddie. Uh, Holly, Holly, no, that no. he ends up there. But I you know what? Too. Smart on them. Apparently, they just took a bunch of Aussies with the hopes that some of them won't end up in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, it's a good, good business model by the Canadian Football League. Uh, Boogie Watson, 
is next, and he's in that seventh round threshold. But at times, when you when you get drafted in the seventh round, it's better to not be drafted if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, and, and that yeah. way, you can pick your own team in free agency. So uh, Boogie could come off the board there late, uh, but I see three. You know, if he does not, then Phil Hoskins, AJ Rhodes. Rose and Boogie Watson all will 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 quickly pick up free agency deals and, and we'll be in camps this fall. Uh, I'm I'm with you, Freddie, and it's probably like you said, picking your spot because uh, I I saw somebody the other day. Now this was in they were referring to the quarterbacks because that's what everybody likes to talk about in the draft, right? But he said, you know, I don't really care who's taken third or fourth or fifth quarterback five might end up having the best fit and have having the right. most productive career just because he's in a situation where you can excel and right. you know the same thing with these guys in the seventh round they could end up in places that they don't <laughs> that, that that where they aren't necessarily set up to to thrive so right. I, the the free it, it's cool it, you know if i was a draft nfl draft pick i would wear that with a badge of honor but the seventh round picks and the sixth and seventh round picks are on the same level playing field as the free agents when training camps start around. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, a lot of times if players are not drafted, that that's a benefit again, because the player and agents can target uh, rosters that they see that their player has needs. So uh, yeah, it, it could be a benefit, but, uh, if, if, if this holds, that will be seven players potentially drafted, which uh, would be fantastic for Kentucky. Uh, I think next year has a chance to be another big year in the NFL uh, draft, and, and, and that would be interesting to see. A lot of it's got to do with how Lee and Cohen's offense plays out uh, this fall for the Cats. And, and we, you know, we've all projected it's going to be much better, especially in a passing game. So – you could have some pass catchers next year come off the board, Nick, and, and Wondell Robinson, Josh Ali, Justin Rigg, and potentially Keaton Upshaw, which would be uh, something new for Kentucky. Yeah, no, no, you're exactly right. I, uh, man, who here's a, this is a, who is the last, I guess Bowden technically, but hit the Raiders drafted him as a running back. Who would be yeah. the last pass catcher to get picked? Would it be Steven Johnson? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Burton. Yeah. And then Jacob Tammy. So, you know, you had a run there on him for a little yeah, bit. Uh, man, that's a long time ago. It's a long time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since Jacob Tammy has caught passes uh, in Lexington. So, yeah, it, it's been a while. So, that will be something good, especially, uh, you know, as we look at this Kentucky roster from, from top to bottom, uh, you've had pro level players uh, or during the Stoops era. Uh, uh, at, at positions other than quarterback, receiver, uh, you know, you, you've lacked that. So uh, could be something interesting going forward. And I certainly think that uh, Lee and Cohen's offense is going to have something to do with that. And, and I'm excited to see it. Uh, Nick's spring practice wrapped up. We've already had a, a wrap-up show for that. Um, I thought it was a successful uh, spring practice for Kentucky. I thought it got better. It was unfortunate to see the injury for Derek Jackson. I think that – uh, presents a dilemma for the defense going forward, especially at linebacker depth. And if you think about it, Nick, that that whole f group of four linebackers, there's not much much depth at any of those spots. And I think that's going to be a concern going into fall camp. 
Yeah, it, it, it certainly will be. Uh, I, I ultimately think they're going to go to the portal for at least one, maybe two. Yeah. Um, following Derek Jackson's injury. So uh, that that's, that's my biggest concern. But as far as so, – so that's a concern. But what do you think is the uh, – how do I phrase this? What, what's got you most excited following spring camp? Who do you think made the biggest leap in terms of, okay, I have much more confidence in this position now that spring practice has, has happened? It has to be quarterback for me. I mean, it's uh, – that's the only choice with Joey Gatewood playing at a starter level in the SEC from all accounts. Uh, Bo Allen having his moments and scrimmages, et cetera. And then with Will Levis coming in, I think it's easily the quarterback position. But uh, besides that, I would have to go receiver. And the player that I'm most happy to watch flourish next year is Josh Alley. You know, Josh played that role. He was virtually Kentucky's only receiving threat a year ago on many, on many occasions. So I, I'm looking forward to see Josh in an offense that could feature him as that slot receiver, uh, put him in motion, uh, use him in a, in a bunch of different ways. So that's the player that I'm most excited to see uh, take off in this offense for next year's Josh Ali. Yeah, and just to have a little bit more freedom. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, poor yeah. guy. Uh, whew, he, he, he got stuck with a lot last year. And – he showed that he has the tools to end up, you know, having his name called around this time next year. But yeah. he was just bogged down by so much of everything within that offense. Having Wandale Robinson around is certainly going to help, um, especially yeah. Freddie. I'm going to be so pumped the first time they fake the jet sweep to Wandale, and then Ali is streaking down, with, <laughs> you know, a post on the backside. You know, you could even do a throwback. You just have it down the middle of the field. But he's going to have at least one big play where they're 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 walling defenses asleep with that jet sweep, and then boom, hit him over the top. That, that certainly would be nice. That'd be fun to watch. But you said Josh had a lot on him last year. Uh, just imagine being the pass catcher that the opposing defense knows. Okay, they have to pass, and they're going to throw it to this guy. So, I mean, Josh had to put up a, with a lot of, of double coverage and, and teams focusing on him because he was really the only threat to catch the pass for, uh, you know, for the, a lot of the season. The tight ends came on later. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, I, I'm looking forward to Wandale opening up that box for Chris Rodriguez to run and then Josh Ali and then those guys having the freedom to run routes downfield, like you said, on the vertical route. Uh, I think that's what fans are most excited to see is, is is for Kentucky to take some shots, but not only take shots downfield, but to complete passes downfield. I think that's what Kentucky fans want to see. You're exactly right, Freddie. And Chris Rodriguez getting the ball a lot. Yeah, <laughs> yes, several times. 25 times is what Cohen talked about. So, and you know what, Freddie? That's a lot. That's, that's not the pipe dream that we're going to throw it 30 times a game, too. Giving the ball to Chris Rodriguez 25 times seems like a very adequate number. Yeah, that's smart. That seems to be the smart play for Kentucky is to get the ball in the hands of Chris Rodriguez. 6.6 6 yards per carry last year. Finished fifth in the SEC in rushing. Uh, uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's poised for a big year. He's, you know, uh, with that outside zone and, and catching the football out of the backfield, I think it's only going to help Chris Rodriguez's draft stock for, for next year. So uh, looking forward to him. Nick, thank you for uh, for joining me on this draft special. I'm, I'm kind of nervous. 
to be quite honest with you. Uh, you know, I want to see these guys get picked and, and, uh, you know, the, the, the fan base and, and you and I, we've seen these guys come in as, as recruits, signees, prospects, freshmen, and grow into where they are now. And it's time for that next step in the progression of their careers. Mm-hmm. And I have to admit, I, I'm a little bit nervous for them. Especially Landon. I remember interviewing him when he committed to Kentucky nine years ago, maybe as a sophomore at Lafayette. Uh, it feels, I mean, hell, watch him grow up and yeah. finally get this opportunity. So excited to, to watch him have his NFL dreams come true. Yeah, and, and I got to talk to Landon and Drake uh, for, for quite some time at their autograph signing at KS Bar. And real I'd like to thank everybody that came out to that event. Uh, I know those guys really appreciated it. And uh, but yeah, talking to, to Drake and Landon, you know, it just made me more nervous because I want to see I want to see the world give them good things. I, I mm-hmm. want to see their dreams accomplished, and uh, I want to see their dreams come true. And it just uh, you know because we'll just be sit back and, and watching the whole thing and watching it play out. And uh, it's going to be a nerve wracking experience for me over those three days. So, so what are your derby plans? I know you got big things going on. I'll be there Thursday, um, Friday and Saturday, three days in a row of the track. Uh, Duke actually got to go to the track this morning. All right. Yeah. Did he really? Paul and uh, uncle Nathan got to take him out there and he got to pet some horses, uh, when they, uh, you know they they work out in the mornings. They train around the track, so he got to he got to see the horses for the first time. We're we're trying to get him hooked to it, uh, but <laughs> uh, this weekend though, luckily the in laws are they're not you know they're from out of town. They're not Derby fans, so they get to hang out with Duke all weekend, and I get to go have fun. I'm I'm you know last year I hit it real big on Oaks Day. I don't need to hit it big. It'd be nice if I hit it big, but I'm just excited, Freddie it's going to be the first time since my, I had a buddy get married. I think it was three years ago now, two years ago now that my wife and I have really been able to just get out and have fun for a whole day. Uh, or we, you know, we just be as silly and act like we have no responsibilities and to be in the infield, uh, the crowds are going to be much smaller, but we're still going to be, you know, running into friends and family all over. It's just, it's, it's the kind of atmosphere where I'm, I'm going to be able to feel like I can exhale, you know, it's right. been a stressful time. So this is like a, uh, the closest return to normalcy I've had in a long time. And I, I can't wait. That, that sounds like fun. Are you going to, uh, are you writing about the Derby? I have, I, I the- saw, I saw what you've done yesterday, but are you going to, you're going to post your, uh, I guess what I'm trying to ask is I got two army buddies. Okay. For 25 years, every year we pick a horse for the Derby. So I need to win this year. <laughs> who, who do I take? Who, who will win the Kentucky Derby? Don't so, worry, they're not going to be listening. So this is all. And they have they have less of a clue about horses than I do. And I, I couldn't tell you the difference between a thoroughbred and a mule. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I've got no clue. So, so here's the thing, Freddie. The I try to beat like many years I try to beat the favorites, but here's the thing there's a guy who grew up a couple blocks from the track. His name is Brad Cox. Kentucky has never had a trainer from the city of Louisville win the Kentucky Derby. And really, and yeah, and he's he's my guy. I have made so much money betting his horses, that's how I won, you know, uh, hit a huge lick last year. 
was because of his winner in the Kentucky Oaks. It's his first time putting horses in the Derby, and he's got the favorite essential quality. And essential quality is a very pretty gray horse uh, out of Tappet. Tappet's a big breeder. And I, I just have a lot of connections to the horse elsewhere. Where So, so for me, it's, it's almost like a, yes, you look at the races and the past performance, but for me, picking a Derby horse is, I get a little more personal. It's like, ooh, I saw the horse at the track. But the horse, his birthday is the same birthday as my son. His dad lives on the farm as my college roommate. And his trainer grew up a mile down the street from where I am. And he sends his kids to the sales. Like, I am all in <laughs> on essential quality. He's not going to, you know, I, I know many people are going to be, you know, of course, I like the undefeated two-year-old champion. Uh, but essential quality He's, he's ran a couple different kinds of races where he's been challenged. He hasn't always been on the lead. So he's proved a lot. And what's great too is he's not, he's getting kind of disrespected. People are calling it a wide open race. So a lot of people are going to be taking hot rod, Charlie or rock your world. Uh, they're going to be all over the place, but I'm all in on essential quality. Then that's who I'll take. And yes. I'll win this year. Thanks to you. Cause I rarely win this. Yeah. I rarely win in their annual bet. So I'm, I'm going to win this year. I appreciate it, Nick. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm happy to help. I hope I well, I hope <laughs> because if I do, then we're all going to be richer this time next week. <laughs> Absolutely. And then uh, the KSR has you covered for draft for the NFL draft. Uh, you can hopefully listen to this podcast and tell your friends about it. Uh, and then Adam uh, Luckett is, is posting an NFL draft guide. Uh, I think it's tonight, correct, Nick? Correct, correct. And yeah. I, I took a little snippet of it. He really – because there's one thing that's tough about doing this job, Freddie. We know them as college players. Adams tried to evaluate them from through the eyes of what NFL guys are seeing. And yeah, I, they I actually the, – the, there's a New York Giants podcast or webcast or something that had me on. And the way they ask questions, it's like, man, I hadn't really ever thought of the guys this way. It's kind of like how we do it with – high school kids to the college right. level it's it's yeah. you know it's going the next way so it's kind of it's different and then uh, we will ha when players are selected obviously we'll have analysis up on the site uh, i'm going to do something uh for the specific draft picks as well and then we'll have you on thursday friday and saturday mm -hmm. uh, all information that you need about the nfl draft will be on uh, uh, kentucky sports radio so we hope you uh, visit our site and Go back often. Always, always. Jamin's going to be in Wissy. He's not going to the draft. I really hope we get a Brett Favre kind of uh, picture, you know, where he's sitting down in his, <laughs> his his blue jeans and he's got all the family gathered all around him. I hope we get a, a fun picture like that. He told me to fit in in Wissy. All you need is, uh, is, is some camo and a can of uh, Copenhagen. So, you know, if <laughs> – Hopefully we get some photos like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Jamie comes from a great family. Uh, his dad was in the army, obviously right there by Fort Stewart at Ludowici. So we wish him and all these players, nothing but the best and success this week. And, uh, you know, Nick, we couldn't, we couldn't bring you this podcast if it wasn't for our friends at LA Coatings. Normally we have Bill on, uh, we couldn't, we couldn't work that out this week. Everybody's schedule is, is crazy because of the draft and Nick with the Derby. So uh, we sure do appreciate our friends at LA Codings. Yeah. And like uh, we, we said before, whenever Bill's on, it's 
I would much rather Freddie. I'm one of those. I don't like maintenance. And right now you have to go in and wash everything down every single day. This is a once a month treatment that keeps your facility clean. Check out yeah. LA coatings at lacoatings.com. They'll give you uh, an, an estimate in no time. It's, it sounds like rocket science when you're talking about an antimicrobial coating, but it's really not. It's just a way to keep your place safe and clean. That's right. And uh, just uh, visit our friends at LA Coatings, and we appreciate them for sponsoring this podcast. And uh, we hope the best for our Wildcats this week. And uh, thank you for listening.